to present ourselves before the throne of grace. Hallelujah. Amen. And midweek service is an energizer. Amen. To help us make it to the rest of the week. Amen. Because life is hard. Amen. Especially living in 2020. Life is hard. And uh, for, for people who don't know about Jesus, and for people who don't know about God, don't have a relationship, not filled with the Holy Ghost, I, 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 at, at the position that I am now, uh, I do feel for people who are not saved, uh, who do not have uh, a, a high tower, a buckler, a shield, uh, a lily in the valley, uh, a, a mighty God to hold on to in such times as this. And we're living in uh, tumultuous times. We're living in unprecedented times, amen? Uh, these things is not that the pandemic has never happened. But they don't happen often. And, and for the most part, people who go through one generation, who go through one pandemic, by the time another one comes around, most of those people are, are dead and gone. And that's just how seldom they come. But we're here today to give God praise, to give God glory, to give Him honor, all the magnificent and marvelous things that He is doing in our lives. Even through this pandemic, even through all this social unrest, even through this traumatic uh, election we just went through and actually still going through. Uh, it, it is just a blessing to still be here on earth. It's a blessing to uh, still even be in our right mind. Amen. And we got a lot of birthday uh, people out there today, uh, members of Sabbath Rest, and we want to say a happy birthday, amen, to, to everybody. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, especially to the First Lady, to my wife. Amen. God bless you. Uh, today, day, amen. God bless you. I uh, can't think of nobody else that's in the ministry that's on the 16th, but uh, just God bless you, because it's a blessing to still even be here. Yeah, they day birthday today as well. And uh, it's just awesome to be here on this earth and to, to be able to see what's going on in the earth today and to be able to chronicle it, because God is, is, is uh, asking his people to step out on faith and to be those world changers, those who can guide people uh, through these tumultuous times, those of us who can speak a word of encouragement and power uh, so that God's people may be exalted and lifted up during these times. Amen. Because these are hard times. Hallelujah. Amen. So we want to come today and just first of all, just thank God, giving him glory and honor. Hallelujah. And even praying and being in interceding for those who uh, have contracted coronavirus, those who have lost loved ones because of coronavirus, those who are still going through social unrest and having to deal with the, the, the ignorance and arrogance of, uh, of, of, of nervous and trigger finger happy cops. Uh, I like to call them Barney Fife cops, uh, the, the shakiest gun in the West. You know, first thing you want to do is just shoot, you know, and, 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 and we, we really need to stand in intercession uh, for those people who are losing loved ones and who are, are dealing with the uh, traumatic effects that coronavirus is leaving on people, even after they get rid of the uh, signs and symptoms uh, from the virus, there's still lingering effects. So we want to be able to pray, earnestly pray for those people. Amen. So as we get started this evening, let's go ahead and stand and, and pray and ask God just to be with us and to be with the people that are going through, amen, those who are losing jobs, those who are standing in food lines who've never had to do it before, uh, to, to, to get food from the uh, food bank and from uh, Salvation Army and 
all of those places, and we even want to lift up those places that are there, that those are helping organizations in the community. Hallelujah. Amen. Father, it is in the wonderful, everlasting name of your son, Jesus, God, that we come. We thank you, God, for your son, God. We thank you for the blood that he shed on Calvary. We thank you, Father, that you are an awesome God. You are a mighty God, a God who uh, concerned, Father, about your people, God. We know, Father, that you still sit high and you look down low. We know, God, that you are still in control, God. We know and believe in our hearts, God, that you are, you are watching what's going on on this earth. And not only are you sitting idly, arbitrarily watching, God, that you are the one that is actually affecting and manipulating and moving things around so that your people, those that are called by your name, would turn and humble ourselves, God, and turn toward you. So, Father, we thank you, God, even for the bad times, God. But we don't want to be insensitive, God, and callous-hearted, Father. We want to stand in intercession for those who have lost loved ones, God, for those who have been afflicted in their bodies by this dreaded disease, God. We want to pray right now in the name of your son, Jesus, God, Yeshua HaMashiach. You said that by his stripes that we are healed, God. So, Father, we are praying for a healing right now for those who have contracted coronavirus, for those who have lingering effects from coronavirus. God, if that's you, just wave your hand. Father, we pray right now for everybody that's raising their hand, God, that has been affected by this disease. God, that you would bless, heal, and anoint right now in the name of Jesus. And we thank you in advance because we know that you are God who not only loves to hear prayer, you are also God who loves to answer prayer. So we're standing in faith right now, God. There's someone, God, that's still having lingering effects from that virus, God. We're praying right now in the name of your son, Jesus, God, that that grip, God, that that disease would let go right now, would loosen them right now in Jesus' name. And we thank you for it in advance. And we pray and we intercede for those who lost loved ones, God. Who, who, who have passed on, God. But, Father, we know you said in your word, those who knew you already, who knew your son as their Savior, God, you said to be absent from this, this body is to be present with you. So, God, help us to be, to mourn healthily, God. You said that we, those who, we should mourn with those who mourn. But you also asked us not to mourn like those who have no hope. Because you are our hope, Father. You are our future, God. You are the one who's in control of this, Father. So we just stand interceding right now for strength, God, and courage and power for those who have lost loved ones. Even during this holiday season, God, it's hard uh, to go through the first, second, third year of losing somebody, God, that you love when it gets close to the holidays, God. But we pray right now in Jesus' name, God, for those who have lost loved ones recently, God, that, that they're still going through the pain, through the uh, the, the, the trauma of losing a loved one, and we know the holidays brings up all those feelings, all that nostalgia. God, we pray right now in Jesus' name, Father, that you would give them peace and comfort during this holiday season, God. Knowing, Father, that this is a season of reflection, God, where we get a chance to reflect on our lives, reflect on the birth of your son, Jesus, to reflect on the family that we have. And the media's portraying family gatherings for the holidays, God, as, as everybody going to get together and argue. But God, family loves one another, God. We may fuss and fight, but God, we're family, Father. 
And we're asking that you have us to be able to intercede for one another, to be able to stand and hold one another up, God, to be able to pray with one another, God, to be able to pray for one another. And we'll be sure to give you praise, glory, and honor for it all. And God, we pray for this day, God, this brand new day that you have created, Father, that you've allowed us to live on this earth, God. And if there's any inadequacy, any fault, any sin, anything in our lives that you don't, that you are not pleased with, God, we ask right now in Jesus' name that you would give us the strength, God, to have, to allow you through the power of the Holy Spirit to remove it, God. All of those things that's not pleasing to you, God, that we would hold on to them with an open hand, God, so that through the Holy Spirit you may be able to come and blow them right away. God. So we thank you, Father. We uh, love you, God. We trust you, God. And we ask right now in Jesus' name that you would continue to bless us, Father. And as we open up the covers of your word, God, we ask right now that you would anoint me right now, God, that the words that we read from this Bible, that something is said or done or gestured to, God, that could open and illuminate somebody's mind and their heart and their soul, God, that we would be able to come into agreement that your word is right, God, and that we're wrong. And you're giving us time each and every day, God, that we would be able to turn ourselves around, God, to be able to turn toward you, Father, and to be able to worship and praise your holy and righteous name while we're living here on this earth. And knowing with full assurance that you have a plan for us in the future, God. Not just our future here on this earth, God, but we thank you for eternal life, God. That you have eternity set up for your people. So we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. Bless the lesson tonight, God. Allow us to see through this Old Testament's a minor prophet Habakkuk. God, allow us to be able to see ourselves in this scripture, God. Not to just read it like it's a past event, Father. But have us to read it and to digest it, God. Like it's, it, it, it's applicable in our lives today. So we thank you, we love you, we trust you, we bless you, and we're waiting on you to come and give us. And it is in the wonderful, everlasting name of your son, Yeshua Hamashiach, that we pray. Amen, amen. and amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Glory to his wonderful name. Ain't God all right? Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Amen. Jehovah Yireh. Amen. I just love him. Amen. He continues to show himself faithful in my life. Hallelujah. Amen. And just to bring us up to speed, amen, for those who may or may not have been with us over the previous weeks, I want to kind of do a quick review of where we started. We're in the Old Testament minor prophet book of Habakkuk, H-A-B-A-K-U-K. Amen. H-A-B-A-K-K-U-A. K-U-K. Amen. Habakkuk. Amen. Amen. Glory to his name. And we started off in chapter 1, and we want to be able to realize the first thing that you have to keep in mind, the entire, that you, the entire time that you're reading this book, amen, this book of Habakkuk, the first thing that we have to bear in mind that this is a conversation between Habakkuk and God. Hallelujah. And you have to bear that in mind because it has a superior relevance over how you uh, receive the information from this book. This is a prophet, hallelujah, we talked about a prophet. Prophets are, 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 are spokespersons for God, hallelujah. And, and when you use the word prophet, uh, it, it's pertaining to someone who God has given through the power of the Ruach HaKadosh, he has given them hindsight, insight, and foresight, amen. That is the ability to be able to see what has happened in the past and make it make sense to what's going on today and to also tell people from what happened in the past, if we're still doing those things today, this is what the outcome will be in the future. 
That's the prophet's job. So we see here in chapter 1, verse 1, it says uh, in the King James Version, it, it says the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. Hallelujah. And that kind of uh, uh, lessens it a little bit, but if you read the NLT, it'll tell you that uh, this is the burden that the Habakkuk, uh, the vision that Habakkuk had. So we understand we're dealing with a vision, amen? And when God gives his prophets a vision, he's talking about the future, hallelujah. So we have to understand because uh, the, the, the somewhat confusing part is when you read this, it seems as though Habakkuk is living through this, but Habakkuk is not living through this. God has given him the vision to be able to see this. So when we start in verse two, where Habakkuk begins to cry out to God, he says, oh Lord, how long shall I cry? Well, it seems as though he's crying right then, but what he's actually doing, he's having a vision of himself crying. Hallelujah. God has actually just given him the whole vision. He's, he's seeing himself cry. He's seeing himself lament. He's seeing himself go through the sorrow. He, he, he actually, uh, this is something that is, is soon, not, not soon, but when we get to chapter 2, he uses the term, this is for an appointed time. Amen. So in verse 3 of chapter 1, he says, why are you showing me this, God? Uh, it, is, it, it obviously became obvious to Habakkuk, like it has become obvious to me in this dispensation, that everybody's not seeing the same thing with the society we live in. You would, it, 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 it would amaze you that you would be able to go up to some people today in 2020 and ask them the question, do you feel like America is headed in the right direction? And they got some folk will tell you, yeah. Well, that tells me right off the bat, everybody's not seeing the same thing. And my wife always encouraged me by saying, you the pastor, that's, you're supposed to see stuff other folk don't see. If everybody saw what you could see, that'd be no need for the pastor. Hallelujah. So those of us that's in ministry, those of us that are leaders that have been called by God, we should see things in the society that everybody else don't see. Amen? So God is showing Habakkuk this. He gets to verse 4 and he, he starts off with the word therefore. And whenever something starts off with therefore, you have to understand what was previously talked about. Amen? So he's talking about because in verse 3, the people are always spoiled, they're always violent, they're always having strife and contention. He says, therefore, the law becomes slack. And the way that I interpreted that one is simply, the Christians staying out of politics, so when the devil, the politics is left to the demons, it can't have nothing but a slack law. Because they're going to make laws for themselves. That's what most of us would do. If it was up to us to make the laws, we would make the laws that would benefit us and our families first. So whenever you get demons in, in power, demons are going to make demonic decisions. I'm not going to even go into none, but y'all already know my pet peeves. That's demonic. Verse 6 of chapter, I'm going to do a review. Verse 6, he says, God says, for lo, I, I, I rise up the Chaldeans. Amen? God is the one that's going to do it. And I reminded you that it was God who sent the death angel into Egypt that night. It was God who prepared that fish for Jonah. So every now and then when you're going through something, don't always blame the devil. Sometimes God is allowing us to go through hard things so that we may grow thereby. Hallelujah. He's trying to get our attention. Amen. Amen. So we go down uh, to verse 12. And he uh, begins to praise God now. He's talking about God's character. And Jesus even said when they asked Jesus, how, teach us how to pray in what we call the Lord's Prayer. 
uh, Jesus starts off by telling them in that prayer that first of all, acknowledge God, our Father, whose art in heaven, holy or hallowed be thy name. In other words, let's give God adulation. Let's, let's uh, lift up God. Let's exalt. Let's extol God. Hallelujah. Because he is worthy to be lifted up. Amen. He's the one with all the power. Hallelujah. So uh, the prophet begins to lift up God. Amen. Uh, in verse 13, God seems, it, it, when the prophet uh, asks God a question, thou art pure, thou eyes do not behold evil, that thou cannot look at iniquity. He's still lifting up God, amen, because God is good, and God is so good. Let's, let's, straight, let's straight out some theology right now. God still does not deal with sin. Hallelujah. We think that God the Father is okay with the way we live it now because we get to say everything in Jesus' name, and we get to live by grace. And that is true, but I want you to understand that that grace, hallelujah, is through Jesus Christ because God is always ready to deal with sin. So when we sin, God is ready to send down penalty and punishment, but his son leans over and says, Daddy, look at my blood on him. Hallelujah. And this is why God relents off of, off of us when we are, are totally outright disobedient. God relents. Hallelujah. Then we get to uh, verse 15, and God is letting the prophet know. He says that the Chaldeans are going to be catching y'all like fish. Actually, he even used the word fish. Uh, where is it at? Verse 14, he says, and makes men as fish. Because what he's saying is the, the, net, uh, the net of sin drags in a whole lot of God people. And that, that's, that's what he's saying from verse 14 to 17 is, is God will raise up an enemy and their nets will be dragging us in and some of us are being drug in and being enticed by what looks good in America. And everything that looks good, watch this, everything that you can do don't mean that you should do. Hallelujah. Amen. Paul said, Paul said all things are lawful for me. He said it twice. He said all things are lawful for me. He said, but all things don't edify. All things are not good for you, and all things don't edify God. You can do them. Let me reiterate, Paul said, as a Christian, we can do all things, but all things are not good for us. Amen? So he's saying here that the nets of the enemy is dragging God's people in. And how many of us have been sucked into some demonic activity that we're sorry about after we get stuck sucked into it, amen? That's what an addiction is. An addiction is being sucked into something and then being sorry about it once you realize it. Hallelujah. Because if you could just stop any time, it is not an addiction. <laughs> the word addiction applies to those things that you wish you could stop, but you can't. Every time I try to do good, come on, evil is present. Hallelujah. Let's go on to chapter 2 review. In chapter 2, uh, the prophet now positions himself. He says, I will stand upon my watch. Hallelujah. I and, and set me upon the tower, and I will watch to see what he will say to me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. Hallelujah. The, the prophet said, I'm going to position myself to hear from God. Yeshua put it this way in the New Testament. He says, some things takes fasting and prayer. In other words, sometimes you got to position yourself. 
Sometimes you've got to get in a quiet spot, hallelujah, so that you may hear from God. Sometimes we have to turn off the television, amen. Sometimes we've got to turn off the music, hallelujah, and we have to sit in a quiet, settled place that we may be able to hear from God, especially when you can ask him something. Hallelujah. Isn't it amazing how we get down and pray and we give God this itinerary of things that we want done, and then we get up, we don't even listen to see what God going to say. You ask him questions. How rude is that to ask somebody a question and then not listen to him? Now let me move on. Hallelujah. In verse 2, the Lord answered me and said, uh-oh, here we go again. Write the what? Come on. Write the what? Amen. And let us know it ain't happening right then. Amen. He says, and make it plain up on the tables that he may run that reading. Uh-oh. In other words, don't make no mistake. Now write this down so you don't forget why you're on the way. For the vision, verse 3 says, for the vision is yet for what? An appointed time. One version of the Bible says for the future. Amen? So we see now this is only a vision that the prophet is seeing. And then we get back into uh, chapter 2 and we see the woes coming up. Uh, verse four, verse 9, it starts off talking about woe when we become covetous. Amen? Verse, verse 9 says woe. Verse 12 says, whoa. Verse 15 says, whoa. And then he starts, yeah, because in verse 15, he starts talking about drunkenness and, and getting your neighbors drunk. Hallelujah. So he says, whoa, to those uh, who practice those type things. Amen. In other words, whoa means, hold up, be careful. Be careful. Whoa, be careful. You're treading on dangerous ground. So read those woes that's in chapter 2. Amen. And then uh, verse 18, it starts off talking about woes to idolatry. Idolatry. Idolatry is idol worship. And an idol can be anything. Uh, uh, idols are pronouns. Because <laughs> idols are idols are people, places, and things. Amen. Idols are nouns and pronouns. So anything that you have set in God's place, and what's God's place? Number one. God's place is first place. I will reiterate that if God, if God is not first place in our lives, he's not no place. Because God will not assume the position of second, third, fourth, fifth place. He will not, he will not accept those positions. Hallelujah. God, God is going to be in first place in our lives, or he's technically not in our lives. And I know that's hard for Americans to grasp with your free Western mind. I know that's hard for you to grasp. That God has to be first. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 In chapter 3, let's go ahead and do our reading first uh, in chapter 3. Uh, Habakkuk chapter 3. Uh, let's start right at verse 1. And I'm, once again, I'm going to read it out of the living translation of the Bible so that we may be able to hear, glean, and understand uh, what the prophet is saying. Amen? So in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 1, the Bible begins by saying, This prayer was sung uh -oh, by the prophet Habakkuk. Now, if you read the King James, you see this word, high, I can't even pronounce it. It's, it basically is pronounced high note. Amen? Because the S is silent, high note. And it's not a word pertaining to the information that's in this chapter. What it's basically telling us is this chapter is usually sung. It's not a song, but it's this word, uh, high note. 
Verse 2, he says, I have heard all about you. Now, remember, he's singing this. Now, this is one of our indications. Let me stop right here and pause and give you some uh, information on why preachers begin to, uh, as one of my pastor friends would say, put music to it. Amen? Well, this is our evidence right here that every now and then they put music to it. And it wasn't talking about musical instruments. It was talking about the inflections that he was singing this uh, prayer in. Amen? So when the, when, when the deacons and the, and the preachers in the church uh, go to harmonizing, put the little music with it, yeah, oh yeah, thank you, Lord. Well, this is where they get it from. Hallelujah. Everybody all right with that? Amen, 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 amen. So he says, I have read all about you, Lord. I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. Now, wouldn't that remind you of? Help us again like you did in years gone by. What pastor used to say? The only thing we got to fear for the future is to forget what God had already done in the past. Amen? Amen. Well, he says, and in your anger do what? Remember mercy. Hallelujah. In other words, when you're mad at me, don't really give me what you know I really do deserve. But that's what mercy is. Mercy is God not giving us what we really do deserve. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And that's even in 2020. Hallelujah. The wages of sin is still death. But through God's mercy, he don't give us what we do deserve for the multiplicity of sins that we commit in our lives. Ain't that right? I see God moving across the deserts of Edom. The Holy One coming from Mount Paran. His brilliant splendor fills the heavens and the earth is filled with his praise. Hallelujah. His coming is as brilliant as the sunrise. Rays of light flash from his hands. Where is awesome power hidden? Pestilence marched before him. Plague followed close behind. Uh-oh. When God get ready to do a thing, now listen, I'm glad we read this tonight. Because you know, when, when, when Corona first started, a lot of people in ministry was like, oh no, that ain't got nothing to do with God. And then after they saw the wide effect of it, then I heard a lot of preachers say, well yeah, you know God trying to reach out to his people. Well now coronavirus been going on so long, that now they, they were, a lot of people reverted back to God ain't got nothing to do with it, especially since the vaccine coming out. See, now folk want to act like God ain't got nothing to do with it. But I'll give you one indicator that I know God got everything to do with it because it's worldwide. And only God can affect the whole world at the same time with the same issue. Hallelujah. So pestilence is something that God uses to get his people's attention. Amen. Pestilence marches before him. Plagues follow the pestilence real close. And we already have evidence of that in the book of uh, 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 Exodus when we see God trying to get his people out of Egypt and the Pharaoh is being hard and stiff there and he won't let God's people go. So God sent 10 plagues into Egypt. Hallelujah. And as long as you was a child of God, the plagues didn't affect you. Did you notice that? When the death angel came in town that night, if you was identified as a person of God and the way you identified yourself that night when they got ready to leave Egypt is you had to put the blood on the lintels or the doorposts uh, of what we, would, we would call these days the door frame. The frame of your door had to have blood on it. Well, these days our life, our heart has to have, to have, to have the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. 
But it's the same principle that God sent pestilence, he sent plagues into Egypt, and he sent in pestilence, and he sent in plagues right now. Hallelujah. And I pray to God that God's people listen. When he stops, the earth shakes. When he looks, the nations tremble. He shatters the everlasting mountains and levels the hills. He is, come on y'all, the what? Eternal one, amen. I see the people of Cushion in distress and the nation of Midian trembling in terror. Now we have to be able to understand, whenever you read scripture, you should always get to that third phase of Bible study, which is application, hallelujah. The third phase of Bible study is application. After you have read the scriptures, after you have interpreted what that scripture means, now you must come to a conclusion on what are you going to do about it in your life today. How is this applicable in my life today? You should always get to that point. Hallelujah. So he says in verse 8, was it in your anger, Lord, that you struck the rivers and parted the sea? Were you displeased with them? In other words, the river and the sea. He says, no, you were sending your chariots of, of salvation. You brandished your bow and your quiver with arrows. You split open the earth with flowing rivers. The mountains watched and trembled. Onward swept the raging waters. The mighty deep cried out, lifting his hands in submission. The sun and the moon stood still in the sky as your brilliant arrows flew and your glittering spears flashed. You marched across the land in anger and trampled the nations in your fury. You went out to rescue, uh oh, you went out to rescue your chosen people and save, watch this, your anointed ones. This is what salvation is all about. Now you see all that destruction that he was just talking about? He started talking about uh, destruction way up in verse 9. Actually, he started talking about when he started talking about the sea. Uh-huh. All that destruction went on, but he comes to this conclusion and he says, but you know what, you know God, what you always do? You always save your chosen ones. So listen, uh, children of God, you gotta realize, watch this. We, matter of fact, we should be realizing it right now. We have all had to go in HEV. Come on. We done all had to go in the mall. We done all had to go to some drive through and pick up food. We done all been in this church together. We done been around people the whole time coronavirus been going on. But hallelujah, now one of us have gotten sick by coronavirus. Why? Because God covers his people. I'm a firm believer in that. Amen? God covers his people. Now what his people has, has learned to do, though, to realize is uh, not only... We are uh, 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 asked to keep God's laws, but as a Christian, we also asked to keep the laws of the land we live in. Now watch this. I know too many Christians, and I, I, if you're watching this, I want you to listen to me carefully because you don't know who I'm talking about. I know too many Christians that feel like they don't have to follow the law of the land and want to holler and call themselves a Christian. But those of us that are God's people, we have to follow the laws of the land as long as they are not against God's laws. Uh, let me say that again. We have to follow the laws of the land as long as they are not against God's laws. And what, I am, uh, and what, what I'm implying is, how simple is it to wear a mask? 
to save your life and somebody else's. And all you got to do is wear a mask, stay away from folk, and wash your hands. You know, I can swear we're asking people to go dig 10 holes a day. 10, 10 feet holes a day. And then you won't catch coronavirus. We ain't asking you to do that. We're asking you to wear a face cover. And you want to run in and out of churches and, 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 and call in the name of God. They've been doing it since the beginning. They beat the slaves with Bible scriptures. These people are sick, y'all. But all this going on, God still, I like the way the psalmist said, it's like a hen who gathers her chicks under her wings. I love that scripture because that's how God is. It's like God is gathering us under his mighty wings so that we can be protected. Ain't that right? So we don't have to fret. We don't have to fear coronavirus. But the reason I went into that mask thing is because we do have to just do the simple things. Now, you could be a child of God and go out there without your mask on. <laughs> You're going to get coronavirus. Amen. But do what, do what uh, the, the law say and do what God say. You crush the heads of the wicked and ooh. You crush the head of the wicked and strip their bones from head to toe. This ain't no allegory, y'all. Amen. <laughs> this is real. And watch it. We could read this, and there would still be people that don't want to accept Jesus. That if you are left without a Savior during the time of God's wrath, if you are left without a Savior, this is what this is what's going to happen to you. He says, I'm going to read this again, that God crushed the heads of the wicked and stripped their bones from head to toe. Verse 14, he says, with his own weapons, you destroyed the chief of those who rushed out like a whirlwind, thinking Israel <laughs> was easy prey. Now, Israel, if, if if, if you've never Googled it, it would be wise and prudent because, listen, uh, something that most American Christians don't know or, or have forgotten is the technical name of what we're doing here. It, the, the technical name, now I, don't, I don't care what your pastor say, the technical name of what we're doing here in Christendom, even Protestants, it's called Judeo-Christianity. Go look it up. It's called Judeo-Christianity. And we have a habit here in Sabbath Rest. Psalms, uh, Psalms 122 verse 6 says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and those who do shall be blessed. And, and a lot of times you'll hear us pray, and we'll pray for the peace of Jerusalem or the peace of Israel. If you Google Israel and look at it on the map, Israel is a very, very small piece of land. And the significance, the significance of that is not that it's a small land. The significance of that is it's surrounded by the enemy. It's surrounded by Arab. Uh, I don't want to use Arab because all Arabs are not Muslims. Uh, all Arabs are not against Israel. So I do want to say this. It is surrounded by 
uh, Muslims that do not like Israel. Look, look at it on the map. Israel have very, very few friends in that region. And Israel and America has such a close relationship that any war that America get into, Israel is our ally. They're bound to get into it with us and vice versa. Any war that Israel gets into, we're their ally and we're bound to get into it with them. We are connected through this relationship with God and his son Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. We are connected spiritually. This, remember, this is called Judeo-Christianity. Amen. Well left over there. Amen. Verse 15. You trampled the sea with your horses, and the mighty waters piled up. I tremble inside. Now the prophet is now uh, realizing, I can't handle this. And, 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 and there are some things that God is showing me in this society, and I do. I get nervous. And I'm not a crier, but tears welled up in my eyes the other day when I thought about what could happen to this society. And we're headed that way. Now it's baffling and befuddling to me how God's people stand for a whole lot of ungodly stuff in this country. And I'm talking about the church. We just left out of one of the most volatile uh, elections in, in this country's history. And it is amazing to me that God people would read this book and then come to some of the conclusions that we come to. So I have surmised that for some people, this is just like reading a novel. This is just like reading somebody's bestseller. You know, it's just a book. Let's just tell, let's just tell the Bible stories. And I think a lot of times, a lot of us forget that this is a book, but it's a book that we're supposed to live by. What does it profit a man to gain the world and lose his soul? I'll pose this question to you. What does it profit a man to read this book and then not try his best to live by? So he says, I trembled inside when I heard this. My lips quivered with fear. My legs gave way beneath me. I shook in terror. He says, I will wait quietly for the coming day. Come on, everybody, say coming day. When disaster will strike the people who invade us. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vine. Even though the olive crops fail and the fields lie empty and barren. Even though the flocks die in the field and the cattle barns are empty. Watch this. He say what? I'm going to praise God. And that's, this, this is one mantra that I would love to give every Christian. Is that no matter what you're going through. No matter how bad things look around you. You have to be able to glean two things from this lesson tonight. Number one, that God always saves and rescues his people. No matter what book you read in this Bible, God always vindicated his people at the end. Hallelujah. And no matter what, no matter what, no matter how dim, how bleak, how dangerous, how scary, no matter what goes on all around us, 
we have to continue to keep our faith in God. Hallelujah. Don't give up on God. Listen, every now and then, as the pastor, every now and then, this gets boring. Every now and then, it gets hard. Every now and then, it gets lonely. Every now and then, hallelujah. There's a lot of things that happens in the life of a pastor and, and in the life of a Christian. But don't give up on God. I don't care what happens in your life. Don't give up on God. So he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, of able to tread upon the heights. Now, sometimes you have to be able to understand the analogy that the writer is using. And I don't know if y'all ever seen this on uh, Discovery Channel or the Animal Planet. There is a type of deer or antelope. They live in mountains. And they know how, I'm talking about a steep mountain, and they know how to run. Me and Deborah sitting there and watched it in amazement. They know how to run almost full speed down that mountain, hitting this rock, going to this rock, going to this rock. This is what he's saying. He's saying that God and I wish I knew the technical name of what type of deer it was so you could look it up and you could see how they live in these mountains. Is that what it was? And when, when, whenever they uh, chasing their prey, the little rabbits or whatever they're chasing, man, they can't get away from them. They know how to scale those mountains. And this, the writer is saying here that God, walking through all the trouble, watch this, didn't know the, the psalmist said in the 23rd Psalm, although I walk through the what? Through the valley of the shadow of death. He said, I shall feel no evil. God is saying that he's going to make us sure footed. We're not going to fall. You're going to feel, watch this. When the kids used to be in the backyard playing basketball, and I would run them, boy, I'd run them. And they would get tired, and, and I'm already 30-some years old. And they would get tired, they got their hands on their knee, and I would say, listen, oh, oh Big Jack, we're tired, we're tired. i say, listen, are you breathing? Yeah. Are you bleeding? No. Okay, well, let's go. Because you all right. As long, the worst thing that, watch this, the worst thing that can happen to you is you die. And if you really think about it as a Christian, is that really so bad? Leaving your loved ones is the hardest part of that. God is going to make us sure for it, amen? Say so he's going to make us able to tread up on the heights. Now, if you keep on reading, there's a parenthetical statement there to let us know what that word means up top, uh, that uh, high note. He says, for the choir director, this prayer is to be accompanied by string instruments. Do you see that written at the bottom of what you read? Amen. Amen. So really, this is supposed to be sung. Hallelujah. And, and, and although you use string instruments, the word really don't apply to the instrument. It applies to the construction of the song. Amen. Amen. Glory to his wonderful name. Amen. I went through that a little faster than I wanted to. We, we hardly ever have extra time. <laughs> Amen. We hardly ever have extra time. But I wanted to share this with you. We're going to keep on on these minor prophets uh, because this is prophecy time. I do believe, not correlating it with the book of Revelations and all of its symbolic meanings, but I do believe that we're living in God's time of revealing things. 
God is pulling the curtains back on all the falsehood, all the faking that's been going on for all these years, all the pomp and circumstance, all the political correctness. God has now pulled the veil so that now we can see who people really are. And during this tumultuous election season that we just went through, didn't you find out who a lot of your so-called friends were? Some people that you've been hanging with and liking on Facebook. We found out who some real people were. God has pulled the veil back on, on police officers. We now see that the, there are some very, very uh, systematic, erroneous uh, things going on in law enforcement. And I'm not, and I was very careful in my wording because I didn't want it to seem like I'm saying that all police officers are bad because that's not what I'm saying at all. But I am saying systematically that even some good cops stand by and watch bad cops do bad things. <coughs> systematically. Because blue going to take up for blue. Hallelujah. Well, God didn't move the veil on that. Go ahead and take up for blue right now. You're going to be in jail with blue too. Hallelujah. All that stuff covered up for each other. Amen. So we see God is removing the veil on the church now. Amen. The Catholic Church are doing that to all them little boys. And, and they're they the ones that made the news. Has anyone ever done an inquiry on the Baptist church, on the Methodist church, on the Lutheran church, or in the Protestant church in its, in its totality? How many pastors we know that married four or five different women in, in his congregation? And got little, three, four different sets of little babies running through there, all of them for the pastor, but they for three, four women that was in the church congregation. God has removed the veil, honey. You can't send your children to school right now uh, with, with, with some teacher not trying to talk to them and trying to sweet talk them. Hallelujah. They, 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 they not worried about academia. They worried about passing a mandated state test so they can receive funding from TEA when it, when it comes to Texas. Texas Education Association. They're not worried about these children getting educated. They're worried about making sure they get that funding from TEA. God has removed the veil, honey. God is showing all of the hypocrisy. And this is why we have such a hard time getting the young generation to follow tradition. They're like, what do we want to do that for? That ain't being y'all no good. They're not going to tell us that. They don't want to hurt our feelings. But I know what they're thinking. It's hard to get young folk to get married. Almost everybody they know them got divorced. It's hard to get a man to stay with his family. He ain't see granddaddy do it. He ain't see daddy do it. He ain't see none of his uncles and cousins do it. When did it become popular to leave women homeless, to take care of children for themselves? When did it become popular for a man not to want to work to show that he's a man. <laughs> God didn't remove the veil, y'all. That's another indicator that this thing is finna wind up. God didn't remove the veil. So be for real. Be who you are. You hooked on drugs right now? Be bold enough to say that. Use an alcoholic, be bold enough to say that. You got a lying problem, a, a thieving problem, an idolatry problem, an adulterous problem. You need to go on and be bold to say it. Because I'll say this once again before I, before I close. It ain't the sin that gets you. It's the cover-up. 
One thing about people we around all the time, like Pastor always used to say, while you trying to hide it, everybody already know. <laughs> everybody already know anyway. Amen? Amen. So Habakkuk is real. <laughs> it's speaking to us today. Don't just read it like it's a, a story in a book. See how it's affecting our lives today. Amen? Amen. May God bless you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Well, we got extra time. Amen. That never happens. How many verses was? Oh, that was only 19 verses. 